I don't know about you, but I love hearing people's stories of how they've come into a relationship, a friendship, someone said, with God. Everyone is unique and everyone is as just as powerful. And today we're celebrating that, celebrating with these guys and girls as they get baptized, celebrating that something new has happened. We're celebrating with them that there's been a change, that their old life, the way they used to live, is different now. They are a new creation. (laughs) There's a sentence in the Bible that sums this up perfectly, and it's often used when people get baptized. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17, which is a book in the New Testament of the Bible. And it really does sum up what has happened in these people's lives. The sentence starts with, therefore. And to understand this fully, I briefly want to explain what the therefore is there for. You see, when God first made creation, and you might not agree with that statement, you might not be there yet, but stay with me. You see, he created the earth and everything in it was perfect. He then made man and woman. The man and woman messed up and as a result were separated from God and the perfection he created. Uh, The world was a mess uh, and it's messed up because we mess it up. That's still happening today, isn't it? It's people's fault. But God had a plan. He was doing something new. He made a way that this could be put right again. That our mess-ups, that our mistakes could be paid for. You see, whenever you make a mistake in life, there's a consequence, isn't there? You may have to pay for it in one way or another. And it's the same with God. You know, he can't ignore what's gone on, but he can put it right And he does that. He does that by sending his one and only son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for us to put things right. To pay for our mistakes so that we don't have to keep messing up or live a life messed up anymore. You see, where God first started with creation and made that perfect, he now starts with us. And that's because of Jesus' death and resurrection we are made new. It's us that are the new creation. The old way of thinking and living is gone. The new is here, the verse said. And because of this, we are able to be a difference in a broken and troubled world. You know, the Bible tells us that there will be new heaven and new earth one day. But until then, we're the ones that are new and called to make all things new. I didn't always believe this and haven't always been a pastor. You may see uh, a finished article up here. I'm still a work in progress, but just 10 years ago, my life was very different. And it's proof again that God really can make all things new. You know, I, I went to church as a child first because I had to. You know, I was forced to. I was born here in the black country, but moved to mid-Wales when I was about seven. Mom and dad started going to uh, a church because of making friends, but I hated it. You know, we used to go on Sunday evenings, and I thought this was where God punished you for the things you'd done wrong in the week. (laughs) It was really that bad. People went in depressed, and they came out suicidal. (laughs) And I think it was down to the pews. You know, the least they could provide is comfy seating if they're going to bore you to death. 
and I hope you guys are comfy this morning. You see, not all churches are like this, but this was my first experience of church. Then there was this lady, Auntie Maisie, we called her. We weren't related, but we called her Auntie. You you do that, don't you? Anyway, she was a raving alcoholic. And the church we went to, it served proper wine at communion. And you used to have to go out for it and kneel down. And then you'd all drink out of the same cup. And this is no word of a lie. Everyone used to race to get there before her. So there'd be some wine left. (laughs) I remember one time she babysat for us. I have two brothers and we were about nine, ten. And my my youngster, little brother, was about five at the time. And while she was babysitting for us, knocking back the wine, we trashed the place. There was holes in doors and everything. You know, thinking about it, it may have been me that drove her to drink. (laughs) Anyway, I hated church and I soon stopped going. And my mom and dad followed not long after. Fast forward then a few years and I'm 11 years old and I'm walking home from school one day when my mom greets me on the doorstep with a massive hug and looks completely different. She gets us all um, sitting uh, down in the living room and she tells us that that afternoon she'd given her life to Christ and that that evening we're all going to church. I remember it well and I burst out laughing and said there's no chance, there is no way I'm going to church and anyway it was a Tuesday and church doesn't happen on a Tuesday. It did and I went. Again because I was made to. But this time, this time things were different. People actually seemed happy to be there. They wanted to be there. And I couldn't deny the change in my mom and dad. And soon I was going not because I had to, but because I wanted to. And it wasn't long before I gave my life to Jesus too at the age of 12. And things were great for a while, you know, for a couple of years. But then a very close friend at the church, she got cancer. And we prayed, we fasted, and we believed for her healing. But at the age of 16, she passed away. You know, I was 14 at the time and couldn't understand why God would let that happen. I was hurt and angry and didn't want to know a God that could sit back and do nothing. You may have all have heard Stephen Fry's rant last week. You know, I like the guy. He's intelligent and funny. That doesn't change. But he's also obviously hurt and angry. You see, I know the signs. I turned my back in, on God in, in that moment, the moment she passed away, and I put my hurt and anger into action. I started to play catch-up for all the things I'd missed out on while I was going to church. Alcohol, women, and later drugs. You know, little did I know the very thing I needed was the one I was running away from. And I spent the next 16 years of my life filling filling it with different stuff to try and fill the massive hole that was there. I wasn't a very nice person, and I would hurt people because I was hurting. I was taking drugs regularly at this stage and addicted to alcohol. I had loads of failed relationships, but then in one relationship I had two daughters and they meant the world to me. But it wasn't long before I messed that up and could no longer see them. I was a martial arts instructor and traveled the world fighting. It was a legitimate way for me to hurt people and I was good at it. 
But this crossed into fighting anywhere and everywhere I went. And I got in lots of scrapes with the police. I met another woman who thought, who I thought was the one. And within a year we got married. And within less than that, it was over. (laughs) I was at a party high on drugs and drunk as usual one night. And then it was at this party that I caught my wife and best friend together. You know, I flipped. I totally lost it. And to this day, I don't recall what happened at that time. You know, I hurt them both very bad, though. And all I remember was waking up in a prison cell the following morning. I was interviewed and I was told that I would get a lengthy custodial sentence for what I'd done. And that I'd be remanded in custody if I didn't have uh, anywhere else to go. I could no longer stay in the area that I lived I remember making the phone call to my dad, one of the hardest phone calls I've ever had to make. You know, the only place I had to come was here in Hale Zoe, and my nan said that she would have me. This is just 10 years ago, and I'm 30 years of age, and my life is in a mess. My dad picked me up from the police station and drove me here to Hale Zoe. The car journey took an hour and a half, and it was in total silence. When we arrived at my nan's house, he threw my bag out the car, the only thing I had to my name, and he turned around and drove home. It hurt knowing how disappointed he was with me. Then I'm in Hale Zoe, in an unfamiliar place, and uh, with a nan I'd, I'd rarely visit <laughs> This was New Year's Day, a Saturday in 2005. Great way to start the new year. I didn't sleep a wink that night. My mind was just racing. I couldn't believe what had happened. I needed freedom from the stuff that was going on in my head and from the things that I'd done. I couldn't see a way out. I disappointed my family. I didn't think I'd be allowed to see my daughters again or that they'd want to see me after what I'd done. And I was told I was going to prison, possibly for a long time. The only thought of freedom for for me was possible was if I ended my life. See, I'd made a pretty good job of messing it up. And it was a very real option for me. I think um, I had nothing. I thought I had nothing left to live for. And that Sunday morning, the 2nd of January, I remember giving my nan a massive hug. And it was me saying goodbye to her. I didn't think I'd see her again. I'd given in to the voices and the stuff that was going in my head, and I went to end it all. I left the house walking towards Hale Zoe Town Centre, not really knowing where I was going and not really sure uh, how I was going to end it, but I thought it was the only option I had left. My head's in a mess, and my, my, my head's a mess, and my life's in a mess, and I'm crying, and I'm thinking how I can kill myself. And then I'm walking through St. John's Church, just in Hale Zoe, and I'm walking through the churchyard, churchyard, and it may have been the gravestones and seeing all that death that I cried out to God, which is actually the start of me having life. You see, I cried out to God, and I remember saying, God, if you're real, if you were real, when I was a teenager, please help me. I, can, I can't go on any longer. I need your help. And I carried on walking aimlessly and I I find myself at the top of this road by the swimming baths where many of you have driven down this morning. It's then that I looked opposite and saw this huge building. You know, 10 years ago, this church had the name Zion on the top of the building and the eye was in the shape of a cross. 
And it was the moment that I saw that cross that something within me started to change. I was drawn to this building. And as I got closer, there was a service going on. I could hear the singing. I'd like to say it sounded angelic, but it really didn't. (laughs) And I'm outside. I'm outside, but there's no way I can walk up those steps. See, I didn't think church was a place for me doing what I'd done. I couldn't come up the stairs but I knew I couldn't leave either. So I went around the side of the building where where there was a door open and an empty room, which is directly under this auditorium. I took a seat. And at that moment, it seemed as if the music had stopped. And then someone um, got up and spoke on the microphone. That someone I know now is Leon Evans, who is now a very close friend and mentor. And what he said was this. You know, it's the first Sunday of the new year. And no matter what you've done in your life, God loves you and wants a relationship with you. It's never too late to put things right. It's like, wow. It was like God himself was saying that to me. And I sat and listened to the whole of the service and it was like every word was meant for me. I went back to my nan's that Sunday. That Sunday and it was the start of me talking to God again. See, my earthly father may have been disappointed in me, but my heavenly one welcomed me back. Two weeks later, the 16th of January 2005, I gave my life back to Christ, and I haven't looked back ever since. I still had to go to prison for what I did, but it was for a short period of time. And actually, I went into prison a Christian knowing that I was free. I've always done things back to front. You know, it took, me, it took me, though, going into a literal prison to realize that I'd been living in my own prison for 16 years of my life. You know, God has totally restored what I destroyed. My relationship restored with my parents and daughters, one of which is living with me now and doing incredibly well. I'm a new creation, totally different to the person I was before. And as I share my story in different places, many people come up to me and say they can't believe that I was ever like that. And that's the testimony to what God has done. And I've had the privilege of seeing many people from broken backgrounds and addicted lifestyles come to know Jesus and be thoroughly changed too. You see, it's not a one-off. It's what he does time and time and time again when you accept him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And just as I finish, I don't know why you're here this morning. It might be that you're here just to support those people getting baptized, and that's great. You know, you might be here and you have questions that you need answers to. You might be here because you've tried everything else and nothing seems to work. You might be here because you've hit rock bottom and it's your last resort. Guys, if that's you, please don't leave without speaking to one of us. Whatever the reason you're here, I want to encourage you to come back and to keep searching. See, here at this church, we run the Alpha course constantly. And you've heard it mentioned this morning where you can ask any question you like. The teaching here every Sunday is relevant and applicable to your life. It will help you. You know, the greatest decision I ever made was to simply come back. The greatest thing God did was to completely change my life. 
and give me a purpose for it. And I want to encourage you all to do the same because what he's done for me, he can do for you. God really does make all things new.